Good morning, Outlook family. Sure is good to see everyone this morning. We are looking this month at who we are as a church, what's true of us and what we desire to be ever more true of us. Four things have been our focus for this series called Our Outlook. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that here at Outlook, we like to keep things simple. Last week, we elevated the fact that we long to welcome everyone. And next week, we'll be looking at the fact that we hold on to what is true. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that we know why we're here. We know why we're here. We're looking at our why, our understanding of our purpose as a local church. Now, spoiler alert, uh, just as much as our purpose is about God, it is very much about you, about all of us. Let me tell you about a lady named Jean Morris. Jean Morris is an outlooker who turned 98 on Friday. And as I visited her this week uh, and to wish her a happy birthday, uh, what did she tell me but this? I just so appreciate my church family. Now she's living in residential in a residential care facility. She can no longer make it here on Sunday mornings, but the smile on her face and the light in her eyes as she thought of her church, which is all of you, by the way, whether you know it or not, she still knows she has a church home, a place where she's known and loved and a place that even now gives her buoyancy and a sense of belonging, and it warms her soul. What's our purpose? Jean Morris is our purpose, and so are you. Now, God is ultimately the reason why we're here. No one's going to agree with that statement more than I do. To care about God, to begin to understand how God cares for us, to get to know God, to be captivated, even intoxicated by God, his nearness, his presence. That's something I long for all of us to be hungry for. And none of this means a thing without God. Amen. God stepped into history because God is love. He loved us. Jesus went to that cross, walked out of that grave because not only is he all powerful, but he is all loving. And he did that for us. Nothing matters without God, but God in Christ established the church to be expressed in these uh, local churches like the one where that, that is us, that is Outlook. Why would he do that? What is the purpose, the why of a local church fellowship. Now, there's lots of ways you could describe a local church. One would be that, uh, and I love this, this one, uh, a church is a beachhead of the kingdom of God. That it's a place locally expressed where people gather who want nothing more than God's will, right? What, did, what do we pray? Not my will be done, Lord, but yours on earth as it is in heaven. A church could be described as a hospital for the wounded, Recognizing that we all come here with the wounds that life has handed us and we become a place of caring and compassionate healers. A local church is a school for the seeker and student of truth, dedicated to learning and then sharing with each other what we're learning. A lot of that happens in a local church. And a local church is a family 
for the adopted. The scriptures say that when we say yes to Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. He becomes our father and you and I become brothers and sisters. And so the belonging and the providing of acceptance and fellowship and connection, man, that's, that's just vital. And it's a major part of being a local church. And what sits at the center of this, or what's our why as a church? What's the engine driving all of that? Well, we touched on it a couple weeks ago, but we're going to unpack it today. We said a couple weeks ago, we know our why, and that is to introduce people to Jesus and develop them as his disciples. It's that simple. Churches can get distracted and even provide distractions and end up not being very good at the very thing that matters most. And we're not claiming that we're awesome at it. We, we know it's the one thing that we ought to keep getting better and better at. And that is developing all of us as disciples of Jesus. It's straightforward. It's simple. You might say that a couple weeks ago we laid out our intentional simplicity. Maybe today you could say that we're unpacking our intentional strategy. And so our stated purpose here at Outlook is this. This is the way we put it. To develop disciples of Jesus who are connecting, growing, serving, and going. We found that we're hard-pressed to find any teaching or directive in the New Testament that tells Christians how to be Christians that doesn't fall into one of these four verbs. So it's a nice, memorable summary of what it means to live this Jesus life. Last week we said that we want to warmly welcome people so they can be free to explore the faith. And if you're here exploring the faith, then we do hope that this is a warm and safe place, that you'll find it to be just that, and that you can begin to explore what it means to follow Jesus and ask good questions and just engage in conversation. But today I want to be clear that the thing you're going to eventually discover, and hopefully sooner rather than later, the thing that we're simply a community of people who have discovered and we're just so happy that we've discovered it is how good life is as a disciple of Jesus. The treasure that it is to realize that you're known and loved by God and that he is inviting you to learn from him, follow him, be redeemed by him, to spend your life as a student of Jesus, as a redeemed and rescued soul. It just doesn't get any better. So that's what you'll discover as you're searching and exploring, and we love to talk about it. So let's, let's look at this mission statement, and let's go through it phrase by phrase. First, let's talk about developing us as disciples of Jesus and sit in these words for a moment. Discipleship to Jesus, we believe here at Outlook, equals human flourishing. That it's not just some kind of side topic uh, about, you know, religion and spirituality that may or may not work for you. We actually believe that the human flourishing that we're all looking for, and rightly so, is found only in connection to the one who made us as humans, who knows exactly how, what works for us, how we're built. We're made in his image. And so it's only as we connect with him that we begin to flourish as human beings. And discipleship to Jesus is exactly the conduit for that connection. As we say yes to Jesus, we receive his grace and forgiveness by faith. We begin to live life in him, empowered by his Holy Spirit. That is the road to human flourishing. The actualization, the fulfillment, the wholeness, the integration. You pick all the words that the whole world is looking for. They're ultimately found in him. And indeed, only found in him. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes this to these Christians. Christ in you is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom 
so that we may present, here's the why, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, he says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Now, when the Bible talks about maturity, to be mature, spiritual maturity, what does it mean? It means to be whole. It means to be fully grown. It means what it means when we think of us as, uh, as, as people. To be fully grown adults. To grow up into Christ-likeness. Not perfection, don't get me wrong, that's not what it's saying. But to be fully grown. Still with plenty to learn, lots of growth to happen, and yet also reaching a stage of maturity where we can take care of ourselves and our relationship with God and even help others in theirs. That's spiritual maturity. As a human, I'm taking rightful responsibility in my life. I'm learning to navigate that life. I'm developing virtues. I'm cultivating meaningful relationships. All that, we instinctively understand, is a good description of maturity. Have you ever said, I can't adult today? Right? Or said to someone, adulting is hard. And it it is. It's true. I think we've all been there. But what I want to remind us of today is that not adulting is harder, right? We all know that maturity in the end is something we need and need to develop. We become biological adults pretty naturally. But we all know what it feels like to meet with, uh, to meet or to work with or to be related to a biological adult who isn't growing up. No elbows, please, okay? who's stunted in their maturity, in their development, right? And immaturity can end up being a pretty serious thing, detrimental to relationships and productivity in our lives or our health, our relational health. It's the opposite of human flourishing. So spiritual maturity, this development, it yields mental and emotional health and growth as well. We talk a lot about that around here at Outlook 2. And so the church is where much of this can happen. You get fed and clothed into adulthood, And we do that together. And we get to do that with and for even each other. So where there are lessons to learn, we learn them. Where there are wounds that weaken us, we let them get healed. People we've hurt, we make amends. Mistakes we've made, we fix what we can. And the good in this world that we see that needs to be done, we take up the cause and we do it. That's maturity. And that's what Christ in you does. Back to our passage, he is the one we proclaim. We are a place that will proclaim that it is not by our own effort alone. It's not by the sweat of our own brow. It is Christ in us, empowering us, changing us, transforming us, turning us into the kind of people that he always had in mind for us to be. It's Christ in us that's doing that. And we proclaim him every chance we get. So we are a people who long to be hungry for this. We are centered on and formed around Christ. We find him compelling. He is a subject we never get tired of learning about and a person we never tire of learning from. Amen? See, we're all following something or someone. This is true of all of us. We need to give that some serious thought. We may follow the market or whatever's trending. We may carefully uh, do that. We may confidently follow our dreams or our hearts or our intuition. We may blindly follow the advice of or example of celebrities or politicians or gurus. But we need to hear Jesus' invitation. Follow me for what it is, an opening to a real and deep and solid life with our Creator. That's who we are as a church. 
people who've simply began to understand and appreciate, to listen to that voice that says, follow me. And we say, yes, I want to learn what it means to follow Jesus. So our mission is to develop all of us. That means you, not just the person next to you. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And so let's move through these four verbs. Develop disciples of Jesus who first are connecting to Christ and to his church. Being a part and staying a part of a church family is not optional to our spiritual development. Try to go it alone and you will discover what we all have probably at one point or another, and that is it just doesn't work. The law of diminishing returns kicks in real quick for that. It is unavoidable as we read the scriptures that the Christian life is made to be lived together. We are not God's persons. We are God's people. And there's a difference. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul, Paul puts it like this to these Christians. Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. See, churches are communities to be lived in, not commodities to be traded when inconveniences come or difficulties arise. We are in this life together. Belonging is a vital part of believing because we really do need each other. We need people to love and to love us. We need others to sharpen us and challenge us, and maybe we can do the same for them. We need people to help, and we need help people to help us in our need. And we need people to team up with to accomplish great and wonderful things for Christ's cause. All of that happens in a church. And it doesn't happen when we're alone or when a church is distracted. And there are a few things more beautiful than when a church is undistracted, when it's a family living in community, vigilant in their unity and diligent in their love. Speaking of love, Jesus famously said at one point, by this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. But what I think sometimes gets overlooked in that passage, we think about the fact that everyone around can know by looking at our love for each other what a disciple looks like, and that's a great point. But you'll know it too. That I'll know it too. That I'll know I'm a disciple because I'm learning to love you, and we're learning to love each other. And that too reaffirms in my own heart and mind, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm being developed. I'm growing as a disciple of Jesus. So let's ask ourselves, am I connected to Christ and his church? Have I said yes to Jesus? If not, you're in a safe place to explore that, like we said. You can always scan the QR code on the back of the seat in front of you or go to alechurch.org yes and let us know that you'd like to talk more about what it even means to say yes to Jesus. We love to have those conversations. Or maybe you said yes a long time ago, but this idea of connection has fallen to the wayside. It happens to a lot of us. Am I connected today to Christ and his church? Would I like to be? That's a question worth asking. So we exist to develop disciples of Jesus who are connecting and who are growing. Growing in our faith can be a pretty elusive thing sometimes. It's hard to perceive. It's so gradual. It's virtually impossible to measure. And yet we know it when it's happening. We sense it. I'm growing in my faith. I'm becoming more and more the person I long to be and Jesus made me to be. Less and less that person that I used to be. What I want to touch on in our brief time is simply this. God wants you to grow, and he wants us to play an active role with him in that growth. And that, too, 
is the church. In Colossians chapter 2, we read this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Couldn't get much more straightforward than that, right? You must continue to follow him. And then he describes it this way. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you'll overflow with thankfulness. Now just listen to the phrases in that passage. Let your roots grow down into him. That's what happens when we place ourselves in a local church. We're putting down roots and we're growing together. We become like trees, the Bible says, firmly planted and fruitful each season. That's human flourishing. Let your lives be built on him, like homes that are well-built and sturdy through every storm. And it says your faith will grow strong, which is what we're aiming for, right? Our part in our growth is to, with open hearts and open minds, continue to put ourselves in positions, in places where God, that God can use to grow us. And that's a great description of a local church. We read the Bible together, not only by ourselves, but also together. We're learning what it says. We're praying. We're gathering for worship. There are also acts of obedience and sacrifice that we engage in together, like our financial giving and serving people in need and extending forgiveness and love, even to people we don't think deserve it. We're helping each other do that. We're, we're a laboratory of love, that we're lear- and we're learning that together. God uses all these things to help us grow and mature, and we learn and experience them in church, gently, steadily, and together in community. So we can ask ourselves, am I growing? And would I like to grow? Does that sound good to me? Would I like more of that in my life? Am I connected? Am I growing? The third verb we list here is serving, developing disciples who are serving in ministry. Now, when we hear the word ministry, we may think that that's only something pastors do. I'm here to remind us, though, that the Bible says that all believers are to be ministers. All believers have in ministry. People on church staff have a certain calling and giftedness, and we call them ministers. But the fact is, you have a calling and giftedness too. We all do. God has given each person unique gifts and callings, and part of our maturity, part of our process of maturing, is to realize those and use them to serve others. It's pretty analogous to what happens in the rest of our life. Even vocationally, we begin to discover certain skills that we have that we can then employ so that we can earn a living. We discover those and we put them to good use. We might even get trained in them, right? So that we can use them even better. In Romans chapter 12, Paul is using an analogy of the human body to describe the church. And he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. That's the church, as Justin said earlier. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That's pretty cool when you think about it. That there's not a person outside the sound, there's not a person within the sound of my voice, let me put it that way, who isn't gifted in some way to bless others in ministry, in service. That you have unique things about you that will be a blessing to other people. That's ministry and that's the church. We're here to help you discover those gifts, to enjoy using them well. We don't want to miss out on who you are and how God has blessed and gifted you. The Apostle Peter put it like this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. 
Use them well to serve one another. Just as we began to show signs of maturity when we were young, by helping our parents around the house and then maybe taking responsibility for younger siblings or nieces or nephews as we began to grow up, and then we learned to put the needs of others before ourselves, all of those were signs of maturing. And the same must happen in our spiritual maturing. We begin to learn not only how to feed ourselves, but we learn to feed others too. That's serving. That's being there for others. So we can ask ourselves as well, am I serving? Or am I missing out? And I'm not afraid to put it that way. You are missing out if you're not serving. And even more than that, we're missing out too. Because your contribution to the body of Christ is vital. Don't count yourself out. Don't write yourself off in thinking that's just for someone else who knows more, who has more talent, or whatever the things we tell ourselves might be. Just throw that out the window. God has something for each of us to do in his church. That's part of being his disciple. So we exist to develop disciples of Jesus who are connecting, growing, serving. But there's one more, going. Go into all the world and share the good news with everyone. That's how Jesus puts it in Mark 16. Here's Matthew's account. Words of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. So go and make followers of all my people in the world. Baptize them in the, name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've told you to do. And you can be sure that I will be with you always. We share our faith. This is what going means. We share our faith respectfully and we share Jesus' love practically. We care about the community and the world, the hurting and the lonely. Just three chapters earlier in Matthew 25, Jesus said that when we feed the hungry or clothe the naked, it is as if we are ministering to him. I'm telling you the truth, Jesus said. When you do it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you're doing it to me. If we take those words seriously, then you begin to realize communion bread and cup representing the sacrifice of Jesus made ready to pick up at the door a, 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 a container in the commons to drop off food for the hungry and another one for clothes? How is that not a marker of any and all churches? Partnering with those who house the unsheltered and rescue the abused, missionaries who translate the scriptures for an unreached group to finally hear and read, ministries who revolutionize slums. How is any of this anything but the most basic and biblical stuff that any and every local church should be about. We have to go across the room, go around the block, and go around the world. Go to where people are hurting and in need. Go to Honduras and go to Kenya, as we're doing later this year. Go to you, me. Go to our schools or our offices. Go to your sales team or your factory floor or your warehouse crew or your neighborhood, your family, your friend group, and be a Jesus follower there. Just go and be yourself and let your light shine because everyone matters to God. Give to those in need. Share your faith with a friend. Bring or send the love and message of Jesus to another part of the world. This is all also a vital component in becoming a fully formed disciple of Jesus. Am I going? We can ask ourselves. We'll talk more about this all next month in a series called Love Your Neighbor.
But for today, let's wrap up by going back to our full purpose statement. To develop disciples of Jesus who are connecting, growing, serving, and going. It's not a motto. It's not a slogan. It is a call, an identity, a reason for existence. And if the kind of church I've been describing is the kind of church you'd like to learn more about or be a part of, let me invite you to what you heard Amy mention in the video earlier, something we call membership FAQ. It's the last Sunday of this month after second service. Appetizers and child care are on us. But for today, what do I hope we'll all carry with us as we walk out or as we log off? This is what I hope we'll all carry out with us. Look in the mirror and you'll see why we're here. Our mission is to develop you as a disciple of Jesus. Put your name here. Our purpose is to lovingly, patiently, cooperatively, compassionately, thoroughly, thoughtfully, prayerfully, happily develop each and all of us as disciples of Jesus. Often churches can get this wrong, becoming demanding or shaming or controlling. Perhaps you've been hurt or misled or burnt by church experience. I meet so many people who have. I hope you'll find the opposite as you explore the faith here. Thanks for just not giving up. Our mission, you'll always find this to be true, is you, you and Jesus, doing life together, and all of us discovering that. That is our why as a church. Speaking of our church, we are taking some time at the end of our services over these few weeks here uh, to consider what's next for our church in terms of the wisest next financial step for our church's long journey. Uh, and we're doing that by providing a beautiful context of our church's history uh, over our last 150 plus years and all the steps that those before us have taken. It's a really great thing to get to uh, remind ourselves of. Last week, we started with our founding in 1866. And today, in video two of five, we're going to look at the next chapter of our story. So take a look, and then I'll be back. Our church was founded in 1866 as Oak Landon Christian Church. At the turn of the century, as the country was experiencing the Industrial Revolution and women's suffrage was gaining momentum, our church community was outgrowing the small meeting house in which it began. It was time to expand. In 1909, we constructed a new building across the street that still stands at the corner of Church Street and Oaklandon Road. Improvements were made over the next several years, including the addition of a baptistry in 1926 which was a welcomed alternative to trips over to nearby Indian Creek for baptisms, even in the winter. And the congregation also quickly realized the need to build on and added an education wing in 1948. It was immediately filled with children and Sunday school classes and flowed and overflowed into the houses next door. By the late 1950s, our congregation realized our need to grow some more and plans began that would eventually take us half a mile down the road to our next new home. We as a church are richly blessed to have members in our congregation who have memories of growing up at this building that still stands on Church Street. 
I grew up with the church starting when I was very, very young. My father was the local banker and uh, he had been a member here, I think all of his life. And he was very active, he was treasurer for this church for 65 years. And um, so I was born into the church. My family moved here in uh, 1941. And uh, this was the church my mother chose for, the, for her and, and us kids to come to. I remember burgundy curtains and the burgundy carpet and the wooden pews. This part of the church was the back portion. It could be closed off. This is the section my mother and I always sat in back here in the back. The stained glass windows actually have the name of my great-great-grandfather. It's just always felt like part of my family. It wasn't a church building. The church were, were the people, and there was just a closeness involved there. The town was small, you know, at that time. I would say the church was just a, a, a big part of the whole town. The church here had uh, revivals from time to time, and I went forward just as I am was the song. <laughs> and was baptized. I believe I was about 12 when I was baptized in this church. When I first accepted Christ at, at camp, but I was then I was baptized here in this building at 10 years old. My best friend Norma, Norma Jean and I, uh, started singing in the church when we were about nine. And I can remember the first duet was uh, Soft as the Voice of an Angel, which I messed up in the last line. <laughs> But it was so fun. Oh. oh, the basketball team, yeah. Oh, there's Johnny Gray and Gordon. There's Tom Mock. I helped in the nursery a lot when I was like a young teenager. You know, I, I helped in the little kids' nursery. And then later I helped at the kind of what we call preschool. We both were in the choir here. Uh, I was also a Sunday school teacher for the, uh, for the senior high. You were with your friends, you had fun. Um, it was just a Im very important part of my life. I met my husband on a blind date at the Indiana State Fair. We, we got married in November 2nd of 1963 here. Lived in a little house across the street. This church to me just means family. It's just been an important part of my life. As this church filled up, they had to add the addition on the back and it was a three-story addition plus the basement. When the church began to grow back in the 50s, early 60s, grow and grow and grow, uh, went to two services, didn't have room for Sunday school classes in the building, they purchased two buildings. They used the property next door, which was, was just a house, and uh, had Sunday school classes over there. Starting that little church school to me was just a great, great step in the right direction. There was just not enough space here for even the worship service. We were just uh, busting at the seams here. Church has always looked forward to the future and it was decided that the uh, 6701 location was excellent because if people walked to church here, they could in fact walk to church out there. It was full and this was just part of the, of the congregation. As you can see, we've always focused on youth. You know, that's the lifeblood of your ongoing church. Anybody who's involved in church, that church means a lot to you. I just feel like the, the church was like a great big family. In a lot of ways, this church was, meant safety to me. I keep talking about being in awe of the older people and how sweet they were 
to us little kids. We weren't scolded or chased out of the church or anything. We were just loved. We both feel an ownership in Outlook Christian Church. I just never get tired of watching these stories. Um, and I'm really glad for the folks, uh, not only in that video, but in the ones ahead that are sharing some of their stories with us. And I'm really excited uh, that we're starting this new initiative called Legacy, not only so that we can remind ourselves of our beautiful legacy and story, but it's also an opportunity to do what our church has been doing generation after generation, rallying together as a congregation to generate our generosity toward our next worthy goal. And any, if you see anything about our church story, it's this, there's always another worthy goal. There's always another step to take. Uh, and it's a fun thing to consider. Such progress and united effort have always been a part of our church. So for us today, as we're sitting in this chapter on this page of our church's very long and beautiful story, the important next step for us is moving our mortgage towards zero so that more funds can be freed up for ministry and mission. It was a huge step of faith in 2008, 2009, when we finally moved to this address. It was a step of faith in lots of ways, including financially. And it has been nothing but a good and fruitful thing. Uh, but this important next step for us is where we are. So if you see the um, print piece that was on or near the chair that you're in, feel free to grab that and feel free to take one home if you haven't yet. As we just briefly look at a couple of bottom line numbers, 3.7 million will be the balance of our mortgage as we begin this three year initiative in March. Every dollar given to the legacy initiative will go toward mortgage principal. So in those next three years, by making our mortgage payments, we know that the mortgage will go from 3.7 and it will this, this, this giving will assist us uh, when needed to get to 3.0 and then above and beyond pushing us closer and closer to zero. The task before us, and this is how we've approached this is the sixth or seventh uh, giving initiative that I've been a part of in my 20 years here at Outlook. And we approach each of these exactly the same way, in a very joyful and absolutely zero pressure type of environment with a lot of trust in the Lord. So the task before all of us is simply to learn more about this opportunity, this next step in our church's journey, and pray. Pray individually, pray as a couple, pray as a family, and respond and then make an over and above giving commitment as each of us is led. That is the only goal, that all of us are taking this before the Lord and doing whatever we feel led to do. And we have confidently been able to see every time that happens, it adds up to what, is the, to what the Lord has in mind for what's next for our church. And here we still sit all these years later. I know that this is a good and healthy approach because I've seen it so many times. The Lord does exactly what he wants to do through us, his people, when we sincerely bring ourselves before him. So this is an all hands on deck project. We've had many of these over the years 
And I'm inviting us, our elders and I, to this next one. Please feel free to take that print piece home. And the last thing I want to highlight is simply this. Everything about Legacy can be found at outlookchurch.org legacy. As each video drops each week, you'll also find those videos on this webpage if you'd like to watch them again. If you have any questions, concerns, curiosities, comments, you name it, you can email me at any time. That's my email address. I'd be happy to chat with you about whatever might be on your mind. And then lastly, I will be visiting, I've already started, I'll be visiting every small group just to sit in living rooms and talk about this, answer questions, you name it. But if you're not in a small group or you end up missing that, that meeting of your small group where I am, we are going to have a couple of open Q&A sessions after church on Sunday the 4th and Sunday the 11th of February. Uh, just they are what, they, what that says. They're just open Q&A to talk about the campaign, what's next, and uh, answer any questions that you might have. So uh, with that being said, thanks for listening to me today. And thanks for being here. I hope you had a great time. I know I did. And uh, I hope you have a great week.